time for the SBL shoot around, and we got the women's competition covered with Giants all time great and two time coach of the year, Randy McGill, joining Chris Pike for all the latest news, analysis, and interviews. Let's go on another SBL shoot around. Hello and welcome to SBL Shootaround for another week. We went on the road this weekend, which we'll talk about as well, which was very exciting here for, for us, Randy, but so much for us to cover once again as we're getting towards the business end now of the West Coast Classic. We've just completed round five, so we're past the halfway mark. We'll g- give give an update on everything that's happening in that competition. We've got our Wandering Distillery Player of the Week to give away. We've got an update on our... Bassett Scarf Realty Player of the Year Award to to give you as well. We'll have a full preview of round six action to talk about. And this week we've got two very special guests. So we've got one of only 12 ladies in the history of the SBL to reach 350 games, which we'll speak to somebody that's still playing very impressive basketball in the West Coast Classic and also the youngest ever championship winning coach in the SBL history as well we'll have on this week's show. So... To me, that sounds like a pretty exciting show. I'm Chris Pike. Randy Meagle, what do you think? Yeah, it sounds really good. And, and um, yeah, we decided to call the Player of the Year the Bassett Scarf Realty Player of Year. Adam's been on board since we he started. Has. And uh, so we thought that it would be appropriate to do that. And, um, yeah, looking forward to speaking to the lady you were talking about in Jody Sonte from mm-hmm. the Coburn Cougars and... Uh, also, Keegan Crawford from the Rockingham Flames. Absolutely. So, big show to look forward to, Randy. But before we get to it, like I said, we took our show on the road on Friday night down to Wally Hagen Stadium. And thanks to the live stream that the, the west.com.au is putting out there, they used us as their commentators on the night. Mm. We had a great time down there. We saw a great game in the end where we saw the, the Warwick Senators come back from the clouds and, and beat the Coburn Cougars in a in a really exciting finish. Um, it was the first time for either of us to do such a thing. I had a great time. How did you find it? Yeah, I found it fantastic. I was a little nervous. I didn't really know what to expect. Mm. But uh, yeah, it was just talking about the game. And yeah. uh, like you said, it was a really good game to commentate because it was mm. up and down and the, you know, the game was a really high standard as well. So yeah. no, you totally enjoyed it. Yeah, so did I. So... To the guys there at the West, if you ever want to have us back, we're more than willing because we had a great time and hopefully hopefully we did at least a, a half-decent job anyway. That's that's for others to judge. Mm. Now, last week's show was a big one. We spoke to Deanna Black and that was a that was a really fascinating interview. Obviously, she's got a great basketball journey, but yeah, some of her stories about her experiences overseas, especially in Siberia, was pretty interesting. How she's dealing with life with pregnancy right now and still coaching basketball and still working at Willington Senior High School was fascinating. Um, she's one of Australia's all-time great basketball players, so that was a big thrill. And listening back to it, she just had a, a great story to share, and I'm sure everybody enjoyed listening. Yep, <clears throat> great interview, and uh, she's probably a bit sheepish um, after the weekend's footy results because we did speak about that, and her beloved <laughs> D's went down. They, so. they did. She she was considering whether or not she should put the baby's team that she supports on that game uh, i hope she didn't do it or else, <laughs> no. a, or else it'll be a western bulldog supporter forever <laughs> yeah exactly right yeah now that was a great great story of of, of the siberia and the european mm. experience that diana had so yeah that, that's that was a, a good one now very quickly before we get to our wandering distillery play of the week randy and keep moving on this jam-packed show our two guests this week jody sante um 358 games she's played 
in the SBL now. She's still playing right now, as you said, at Coburn in the West Coast Classic. Split her career from the Wanneroo Wolves, where she started as a 16-year-old. Then she went to England for a couple of years, came back. Wasn't sure if she would play basketball, but she joined up with the East Perth Eagles, played in the grand final in that first year. She ended up staying there up until the end of 2017, then spent a season at the Senators, and now she's been at the Cougars for the last two years. It's been a, been a fantastic career. We've talked about her before, how much of a warrior on the court she is. What would she like to coach again? Yeah, well, you know, you always had to have her in your scattering report. She's got a nice mid-range game and, you know, she gets after it and she can uh, surprise you. You know, look at the stat sheet at the end of the game and, you know, she had points and 10 rebounds and five steals and, you know, she takes charges, she dives on the floor. You know, she gives 110% all the time. And then our other guest tonight will be Keegan Crawford. It was bad enough losing grand finals for you, Randy. Mm. Don't, we don't need to go back into it. Yeah. But how would have you felt losing to a 23-year-old coach on the opposition team? <laughs> oh, yeah, he's 20, might be 23, but he's got a uh, IQ of a very, very he experienced does. He does. Um, coach. You know, he's got a really cool head and, uh, yeah, he's a great guy as well, Keegan. I got mm. the opportunity to meet him at a, at a course we done last year mm-hmm. and uh, got to know him a little bit better. Excellent. So looking forward to speaking to both Jody and, and Keegan later on SBR Shootaround. Let's keep moving. It's time now to look at our, our candidates for the Wandering Distillery Play of the Week for Round 5 in the West Coast Classic. And it's getting tougher to pick our winners each week, Randy, because we're getting some players putting <coughs> up some monster performances. None better, and there's been no one more consistent so far than Ash Eisenberger at the Lakeside Lightning. She had another 31 points, 14 rebounds down I think it was down against the Slammers on, yeah. on Friday night. So yeah. she just keeps delivering. Stacey Barr, two more big games from the reigning SBL MVP. We saw her on Friday night, 23 points, 10 rebounds and five assists. And then I saw her again on Sunday, 24 points and eight rebounds and another four assists against the Perth Redbacks. Her teammate Taylor Hepburn had two pretty good games as well, 20 points, eight rebounds on Friday night and another 12 points on Sunday. Erin Fisher at the East Perth Eagles. We've already had her sister Bree win this award a couple of weeks back. She's putting her hand up now as well is Erin. Is 18 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists and 3 steals for the East Perth Eagles. Hayley Winter, the point guard of the Willerton Tigers. Two really solid games. 16 points on Friday, 19 points on Saturday. So 35 points across the weekend for her is a, is a big result. Nat Burden, she's another one that's featuring every week on our list. She had another 23 points, 12 rebounds, 3 steals and 2 assists for the Perry Lakes Hawks. And Taya Burrows, last week's winner. So that means she can't win it, but she can certainly get some votes in our Play of the Year voting, mm. Randy. She had 20 points on on Friday night for the Rockingham Flames and backed up on Sunday, almost a triple-double. 27 points, 9 assists and 8 rebounds. Speaking of triple-doubles, Maddie Allen did get that at the Perth Redbacks against the Slammers on Saturday. She had 11 points, 11 rebounds and 10 assists. And then she backed up on Sunday, 18 points, 21 rebounds, 7 assists and 4 blocked shots. Jesse Edwards keeps delivering for the Kalamunda Eastern Suns, just off signing with the Perth Lynx for the upcoming WNBL season as well. And the, Sun, the Suns keep winning too on the back of it. She had 18 points, 14 rebounds, 8 assists. So she's another one that almost went to a triple-double. That's all I had on my list, Randy. Did you have anyone else that I might have missed? No, probably not. I mean, um, there was a pretty outstanding game by Paris Stuffield, mm. which um, jumped out a bit me, with me there. And she had... Uh, 
seven or seventeen three pointed. Wow, um, <laughs> at a really good clip. So that there, well, seven and seventeen is a good percentage for three. It's, you, it's, so if it's you're awesome. taking seventeen of them, yeah, um, you better be shooting them at a good clip. So that was another outstanding game. But the girls that you've mentioned, uh, there's some monster games there. You know, like uh, Maddie Allen, twenty one rebounds. It's, mm. it's awesome. So yeah, it's not going to be easy to pick the player of the week. <laughs> it's absolutely not. So. As usual, let's narrow it down to our top three so we know who our, our vote winners in the Player of the Year Award will be for this week. And I'll nominate my three and you see what you think. Oh, I can't go past I can't go past Ash Eisenberger for at least one of those spots. I would have to go Matty Allen, clearly. And gee, then it's between Taylor Burrows and Jesse Edwards. I'm not I'm not sure between those two. You you give me your thoughts. Um, Ash Eisenberger for sure. Just the the um, consistency of her yeah. players, you know, got her up there. Um, I'm going to say Nat Burton. Um, yep. You know, handed the Rockingham Flames their first defeat, sure. so against quality opposition, and uh, and Maddie Allen is is the other one that I've chosen. But not easy. I mean, it's not, not easy. easy at all. No. Okay, so that's, that's our top three. So that we'll look them in. We'll work out our. Order probably a little yeah. bit later, and we'll give you an update on social media as regards to the leaderboard in our Bassett Scarf Realty Player of the Year Award. Yeah, that's tough. So we've got it down to Maddie Allen from the Perth Redbacks, Nat Burden from the Perry Lakes Hawks, and Ash Eisenberger from the Lakeside Lighting. That's three quality players. That's WNBL, you know, standard players as well. So that's why the West Coast Classic is a lot mm-hmm. of fun right now. Yeah. Um, just because it was two huge performances, one of them a triple-double, and she only played 20 minutes. So she racked up a triple-double in 20 minutes and then had a massive you know, 21-rebound game the next day. I'm going to go Maddie Allen, but feel free to give me your thoughts, Randy. No, I'm going for Maddie Allen as well. Okay. I think, um, yeah, it's outstanding. And she's been really, really consistent as she well. Has. You know, We've spoken about um, Ash Eisenberger and Nat Burton being consistent. Maddie Allen's been as consistent. As him, and I think she, I think Maddie Allen leads the league in um, assists as well, so yeah. she's probably up right up there with the rebounds, probably blocks. And block shots, yeah. So, yeah, no, she's doing it all. So the Wandering Distillery Player of the Week is Maddie Allen. There we go. So from the Perth Redbacks, and, yeah, it's been a great award. Thanks to Wandering Distillery for their support of this award. It's been getting a lot of attention. It's... It's you know the, our winners so far. We had Stacey Barrett back in back in round one, and then we had Jess Jenkins from the Redbacks. Then we had Bree Fisher, and then last week Taya Burrows, and now Maddie Allen. That's a pretty handy list of players. Yeah, it is. It is. And thanks to Wandering Distillery for making this happen, we wouldn't be able to have an award unless somebody was willing to come on board, and and they've been great supporters of us here at SBL Shootaround, Randy. Yeah, so get down there and uh, support Wandering Distilleries. Go down and have a tasting and uh, contact Wade on 0439 131 236 and make an afternoon of it. Make sure you do it. So thanks to Wandering Distillery. When we come back, we'll have a look at all of the results in a bit more detail from Round 5 in the West Coast Classic. Okay, back now on SBL Street Around. It was a massive week in the West Coast Classic for Round 5. It all got underway Friday night down at Eden Recreation Centre and a pretty competitive showing from the Southwest Slammers, even though 
The lakeside lightning still prevailed, 77 to 58. Yeah, well, I th- thought so as well. It was a good spread, spread of minutes there for the Slammers. They ended up winning two quarters. Mm. And one thing I mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago, they just needed to keep their turnovers in check, and they've been doing that. Yep. They only had uh, 20 only. Good to see Bayless get involved um, with 5 and 11 three-pointers in 18 minutes. And Javine Fitch had a good game yep. as well, the daughter of um, James. Yep. And uh, Ash Eisenbarger, you know, once again uh, had a great game. She's now averaging 18 points and 11 rebounds for the West Coast Classic. Wow. She was a difference ultimately. Yeah. Um, then the game we were at, Randy, this was a, a really fun game. And as we spoke about, with six minutes to go, the Coburn Cougars were leading the Warwick Senators 78-63. to From that point on, Tyrone Thwaites took out our guest from from tonight, Jody Sonte, and it all changed. And the Senators finished the game on a on a twenty seven to five run. It was a it was a, just a stunning turnaround, and you know it started with some of the young players, Jada Clark hitting a couple of big shots, and then then Nicole Jory joined in, and then then Stacey Barr, as you'd expect, finished the job. But it was a it was a really fun game. Yeah, really high high scoring game. The first. Um the first half was, you know, the shooting percentages were off the off yeah. the charts from both teams, and uh, you know the Cougars were forty two percent from the three point line for the night. Uh, really impressed with Tia Morgan. Yep, she was a really uh, up and coming point guard. She had seventeen points, seven rebounds to Souza, fifteen points, you know, four or nine three pointers, mm. and you know got good support from Muir, Sante, and. Fiji, but uh, the Senators are a remarkable comeback, you know, and we said it in the commentary that they needed a spark and young Jada Clark got, yeah. them, got them going and um, then the veteran Geordie St. Jaw yep. come in and uh, uh, polish them off. So She did. Yeah, a good win for the Senators and it was, a, it was a really fun game, probably the best women's game I've seen so far in the West Coast Classic. Also Friday night out at Herb Graham Recreation Centre, Wilden Tigers, a tight, tight win. So this would have been a, a pretty entertaining game as well. The Tigers, 78, beat the Perth Eagles, 72. Yeah, and good consistency from the Tigers. They didn't have any ups and downs in this game. They were pretty mm. pretty consistent all the way through. Everyone scored. They got a good spread of minutes. Um, Des Kelly, 14. Uh, Winter, 16 points. And Imogen Alayev, 10 points and 9 rebounds. And then we've spoken about Erin Fisher. She had a fantastic game. Bree Fisher chipped in with 15 points. And then Jade Gowland, she had a really good game too, 17 points and 7 rebounds. Probably a career best night for her. So Yeah, so good to see. Yeah, absolutely. Last up on Friday, night, a game between two teams well and truly in the finals hunt. So this was a beauty. The Prairie Lakes Hawks got up over, over the Rockingham Flames and as you mentioned before, first loss for the West Coast Classic for Rockingham. The Hawks won 84 to 73 and just a, a note, I think we might, might have mentioned this on Friday night in our broadcast, first loss for the Rockingham Flames since July 5th last year. Unbelievable. Yeah, well, we can speak to Keegan about that and <laughs> see what his the feelings were. Yeah, I tipped this one. So the rebounding count, something that I took note of, it was 51 to 29 in the Hawks' oh, favour yep. for the game. And, uh, you know, we spoke about the the uh, game we've seen down at Cougars and, and the Senators, how high scoring was, that was. Well, they had 100 points at half time between them, mm. those two teams, so they really turned it on. Hawks held the Flames to six points in the third quarter, which was probably the, the key to that game. But Nat Burton, Burton she's tuning up for the WNBL, the way she's going. So, you know, 23 points. Maddie Dennis had 19 points, eight rebounds. And, you know, they're using Sarah Donovan off the bench. So, mm. it's such a luxury to have her come in and grab boards and score yeah. points. Um, good games from Burroughs, Chris Bogan, and Duffield. Yeah, good win there for the Hawks. Now, Saturday night, this was the game I was at, and it wasn't pretty. The scoreboard probably says it all. The Perth Redbacks won 11 
beat the Southwest Slammers 34. I just felt for the Slammers. They were no Bayless from the night before, no Kate Fielding still, no no assistant coaches for Nathan Grover either. Um, he was really battling to even field a team probably on the night. His best player was Ebony Bilstich, and she, she was fresh off playing a Waffle Women's game in the afternoon and came straight to Belmont to play, play this game. It was always going to be tough, and the Redbacks really, really rammed it home. Yeah, <clears throat> always tough to talk talk about games like this. You know, sixty four to fourteen at half time. Say, you know, they were they were well and truly under the pump. Triple double from Maddie Allen, and they had six girls in double figures. Yeah, and just you know, it was tough night for the for the Slammers. Uh, shooting sixteen percent from the field, including one of twenty from the three point line. So I don't know, don't know what else to say about that one. I just think you know the girls got to try and keep their head up and get get back home and yeah. work on some stuff. Yeah, uh, for the next game, it's, it's just tough. Backing up from the night before. Where they threw everything at Lakeside as yeah, well, the, so that the, the girls that did back up were tired, and then they lost some lost some girls as well, so they weren't yeah. at full strength. So it was tough. Um, another good game though, this one at Rockingham, the Flames a tight tight win. They beat the Wilton Tigers eighty six to seventy nine. Yeah, this is that uh, game. Like Taylor Burrows has had twenty seven points, eight rebounds, nine assists, fantastic, yeah. and and Paris Stuffield uh, seven of seventeen three mm. point shots. Yeah. <laughs> so that's really launching it. Uh, she, good she, game. She, she only scored one point that wasn't a three pointer. Yeah, unreal. So it was a competitive game, and Tigers were competitive for the whole weekend. I think um, yep. you know they would have been happy with their performance. Not happy that they lost, but they obviously um, you know done a good job over the weekend. Haley Winter nineteen points. Uh, Consistent weekend, uh, young Abby Martin, 15 points, and Des Kelly, 12 points. Yep. Surprised by the margin in this game at Ray Owen Sports Centre on Friday after we saw Coburn play really well on Friday night, Randy. Not surprised that Calamunda won, but I am by the margin. So the Eastern Suns, 90, the Cougars, 53. Yeah, the Cougars couldn't maintain their shooting prowess in this game. They went 3 of 24 for 12% from the three-point line. You know, field goal percentage of 23 for the for the game, so really let themselves down there. Suns were 32 to 11 in the second quarter, and they shot the, the pill at 14 of 34 from 41% mm-hmm. from the three-point line. So a uh, good game by Jewel Williams again, 19 points, and uh, Jesse Edwards, 18 points, 14 rebounds. And young Beige Harris uh, yeah. had, had a good game there too, 10 points and nine rebounds. So good to see her out on the floor. Absolutely. Now the last game, another one I saw on Sunday, and it, it really did follow the script from Friday night for the Senators where they looked dead and buried halfway through the fourth quarter. And this time, with only three minutes to go, the Perth Redbacks were up 73-61, to 61, and they looked like they were cruising to a really important win. But from there, the Senators went on a 20-4 run to do pretty much a carbon copy of what they did on Friday night and, and just snatch a, snatch a victory from the jaws of defeat. Yeah, heartbreaking loss for the Redbacks, and it could be a, a loss that come back, comes could. back to Hornham, you know, with only the top four. This game here, it was good to see uh, Mackenzie Clinch-Hoycard mm-hmm. come out and have a really good game. She had 19 points and 11 rebounds and four or seven from the three-point line. Um, you know, Stacey Barr was consistent again, as was Hepburn and Clark. But, um, you know, Maddie Allen, she couldn't do too much more with what she done on the floor. And um, previous Wandering Distillery Player of the Week, Jess Jenkins, 21 points. And both Bailey and Hartree had good, solid games. So, yeah, it would have been a really, really good game to watch this one. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a beauty, a great way to finish finish the weekend. Now, what it means is, as you mentioned, the top four. Now, the four teams in the top four now have only lost one game. So that's where it gets really tough, I think. It's going to be tough to make the finals if you lose more than two games, probably. So if you've lost three games already, like the Perth Redbacks, even though you're a really strong team, it's going to be tough. So the top four right now, 
The June Lot Wolves stay there after the bye on the weekend, 5-0. and zero. And then we've got the Rockingham Flames now 5-1. and one. The Warwick Senators 4-1. and Calamundra Eastern Suns are now 4-1. and one. Then we've got just outside, the Perry Lakes Hawks 5-2. and two, And the Lakeside Lightning 4-2. and two. And below that, it's going to be really tough. Perth Redbacks 5-3. and three. And certainly below that, every every team's probably out of out of the running. Mandurah Magic two and four, Wilton Tigers two and five, East Perth Eagles one and six, the Coburn Cougars one and six, and the Southwest Slammers zero and seven. Yeah, but when you look at the Coburn Cougars at one and six, so they really took it to the Senators who yeah. were you know right up there. So there's still no you know there's going to be some upset results as we continue through. And so even the Slammers on their home floor there, yeah, tough to beat too. Yep. So uh, you know I wouldn't be uh, resting on my laurels by any means because. Uh, Anything can happen. Absolutely. So that's round five done in the West Coast Classic. When we come back, really looking forward to having a chat to the, the Coburn Cougars veteran. And we can call her a veteran because she gave, gave us permission. Yeah. She doesn't mind being called a veteran. <laughs> we will be speaking to the 358th game SBL veteran, Jody Sonte. Okay, back here on SBL Shoot Around. And it's remarkable to think that for t- the last 20 years in the SBL, Randy, we've had this lady playing for playing for the league, playing her trade, and as we've talked about, every time she steps on the court, there's no harder worker out there. So for 20 years, for 358 SBL games, she's been one of the great SBL warriors, and it's a great pleasure to have her on our show here on SBL Shootaround. She's currently playing at the Coburn Cougars. Jody, thanks very much for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. No worries at all. When you do think about the fact that you've been playing in the SBL since you were since you were 16 back in 2001 and the fact that you're still playing, you're still playing really good basketball right now, what what goes through your mind? Um I guess 20 years is a it is a long time and um I was um trying to reflect a little bit today on um knowing that I was coming in and uh chatting with you guys. I don't know, just a lot of things go through my mind a lot of past coaches and a lot of past teammates and what keeps me I suppose um playing today and and what drives me to to still be there because like I say 20 years it's a, it's a long time and I guess for someone like me who you know and I've said to you before Chris you know I'm not the the sort of player that will go out there and, and and top score and I think you know coaches and and players know that about me but you know the stuff that I I, I try and do off the court to prepare myself to to be on the court and I guess after 20 years you've got to, got to have some pretty strong routines and you know and, and be pretty committed to to keep going so well yeah. what about after a weekend like you just had where you had you had two tough games back to back after playing for this many years and I'm happy to say you're pretty much the same age as me so if I call you if I say that you're in the veteran stage then I'm calling, <laughs> calling myself the same age so don't take it as an insult but how does the body feel after a weekend like you've just had um, you know, actually, the my body probably is feeling probably as good, or if not, you know, better than up, pulling up after a double header in in some time, I suppose. Because I th- I think over the last couple of years, I've really tried to concentrate on you know knowing that I guess I am better in status, like say, mm. um, due to my age. Oh, look, I've tried to put a lot of work in off the court. Um, it is what allows me to stay on the court, and so so my body's actually feeling really good. Um, I've been a very lucky, I suppose, player as well because I haven't come across any touch wood major injuries. I haven't had the blowout of the knee and I haven't, you know, had the, the ACL or, or anything like that. So um, there's an element of, I suppose, luck that, mm. that comes into that. But I, I've got some pretty strong established routines by now and, um, 
yeah, I guess that's what keeps me going and it allows me to, to bounce back relatively, <laughs> relatively unscathed. Sure. Hey, Jodie, it's Randy here. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Randy. That's good. Yeah, Chris and I were fortunate enough to commentate the game Friday night and we watched you firsthand and I can say that you are looking fit and you were a big part of uh, that run in that game that got uh, you that lead during that game. So full credit to you to be playing for 20 years and um, you know being as fit as what you are and, and playing the way that you are. You just touched some of your playing players that you played with and coaches and, and stuff over your career. What Who were some of your coaches and who sort of got the most out of you? Mm, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, I, I guess um, the the two coaches, I think, when I, I reflect back, that probably stood out the most for me would be at, at a junior level and I suppose um, coming into the SBL would be Van Kalis. Mm. So if you've ever ever been down to Wanneroo, you, you would know you would know Van. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Van he he was the he was the guy that was there at the stadium before the sun came up. Um, and he basically didn't leave until the sun went down mm. at night. You know, he you know, before school mum would drop me down to the stadium and, you know, Van would be there unlocking the doors and We'd go in and, and we'd do some shoot-arounds and stuff like that. I went to um, – actually went on one of the American tours. I'm sure Van probably did about 10 or 15 mm-hmm. of those back in the day. So I went on one of those tours with him. I think I was about 16 at the time or 15 yeah. at the time. Um, you know, and he's just one of those coaches that just gave you so much confidence to go, you know, to go in and um, just to do what, what naturally – came to you and I'll be forever grateful to, to Van and um, I think like he had so much to do with my junior years that when he used to call my mum or dad to to say um, you know to arrange training or to arrange an individual session or something like that my dad would call out and say to my mum Julie uh, God's on the phone um, <laughs> because he was just you know calling the shots so yep. so I am forever grateful to, to Van and um, for being down there and the junior development that he managed to give us so um and I suppose the the other coach that stands out to me um at an SVL level would be Narelle Henry so um I played under her at East Perth yep yep I think I've had about 150 games possibly something like that at East Perth yeah you did um yep and to have um to be coached by Narelle you know she's somebody that's walked the walk she played women's basketball she knows women's basketball um and she's a real strength-based coach so I suppose that's what I really love about Narelle. Um, she's the sort of person that sees the value in you, even when you're not maybe a big scorer or, you know, you're not necessarily doing, you know, everything on the stats that some other people are doing. But she she's one of these people that just is able to get the best out of you. Um, you, you didn't so, mention Tyrone. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. It's too early, early days, early days. Tyrone's got some big shoes to fill. <laughs> How have you, have you found your playing role? At Coburn from last year to this year, so I know it's a little different with the West Coast Classic, but uh, has Tyrone given you a similar similar role? Yeah, um, we I met with Tyrone um, obviously that before. Well, you know, we all thought there would be an SEL season, so I suppose um, we met in the off season. You know, Coburn has such a a strong family culture, um, something that they're they're very proud of down there. And when I when I spoke with Ty about coming into this season I wasn't actually even sure if I would play this season 
But yeah, Ty and I sat down and he sort of chatted about wanting to bring some some of the younger girls through and I guess um, having so much experience and I guess being able to be called a veteran, which is something mm-hmm. I'm actually pretty proud of. Mm-hmm. It, you know, he, he chatted about the the role that I would play in that and, you know, I was I was happy to, to take that on um, at the end of the day, regardless of titles and, and things like that. I was happy to, and I am happy mm. to be a part of it. Well, touching on being a veteran, not to harp on that, but it's something that Randy's talked about on this show a few times where he wishes there was more people like you, especially in the women's competition, that had that had continued to play basketball. He's talked about how so so often a lady gets to the mid twenties and almost gives mm-hmm. up basketball for whatever reason and never comes back to it. And and he's talked about before. He just wishes we had more people your age that are playing. How have you been able to, I guess, avoid all of the other things that that take people around your age away from basketball? How have you been able to keep playing? Without, without really a break, apart from those two years where you did go over to, to England, which you, we can, can touch on later too? Um, yeah, I, that, that's a, a, a tough question. You know, I just think it sort of was ingrained in me and it, it just sort of flowed on um, year after year. And mm. there's such a big pull from basketball. You know, we all play for different reasons. You know, there's the obvious reason about, you know, we want to be fit and healthy and, and be physically fit. And that's a huge part of it. But such a big pull for me has always been um, the relationships that you build Mm. whilst playing basketball. And I suppose any sport, really. But some of my best friends have come from basketball. So, you know, that is one of the biggest pull, the social side of being able to to stay and to play with your teammates and to play with your friends. Um, And then to go out afterwards and have the dinners and and to be um, connected in, in that form is a huge part of, of why we play sport. And that's part of the reason why, you know, why I'm still there. One of those one of those who you've been a long term teammate of is is N- Nicole Jordan. We saw her. We we sh- it was amazing. We talked about it on our on the game during Friday night house. She hadn't hit a three pointer the whole season so far, and then she she catches fire and and takes that game away, away from you on Friday night. What's it like being the teammate of someone like her for so long? Both, both at East Perth and then for that year at, at the Senators and now now playing against her? Um, well, first of all, the scout, I'm pretty sure, was that she hadn't hit a, a shot all season. So you can imagine her to knock down that tree. She did an awesome job. So, mm. um, yeah, it, it is interesting that, um, you know, you can be really good friends with someone off the court um, and I've got quite a few of them that are in other teams and then when you hit the court there's that competitive side mm. that that comes out and and everybody wants to win so you know I'm really good friends with Amber Land and mm-hmm. I see Amber you know every every week down at the Land Performance Center yep. and um, you know you step on the court and and both both of us are going to try and fight for the for the ball and you know that competitive side comes out so you know same as people people like Nick Jordy mm-hmm. um, you know long time um, teammates and you know she is a great teammate and um, I love to have a laugh with Nick but you know like I say when you when you're on the court the competitive side will always come out I think that's a big part of being a, a veteran in this league I think we're all pretty much the same yeah we were trying to work out actually how to pronounce Nick's name before the commentary <laughs> the other night so, oh, so Geordie, <laughs> Geordie is what it is is it <laughs> Geordie St. Jaw. 
Yeah, but call her anything but because she really likes that. <laughs> I hope she doesn't watch that replay back because I think we. Yeah, I think I, I probably pronounced it a different way every time I said her name. Um. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I think that's the same with Talia Fajo. Everybody yep. pronounces her name a little bit differently, so she always is. Yeah, it's a very interesting concept. No, now that you've cleared it up both for us, now we have no excuse to make this the mistakes. No, I, I, I encourage you. No, I encourage you to still create. Be creative. <laughs> what I wanted to talk to you about was the way you play your basketball before I had the last year we caught up for the first time when we were talking about your 350 game milestone and after that I had a a greater respect for you because I got to know you a little bit as a person but even before that I just couldn't help but have enormous respect having watched you for a few years just the effort you would be putting on on the court you would always drive yourself to exhaustion you would fight for every single rebound every single loose ball you would do all of the little things that probably the younger players today don't like to do and if we if we look forward 10 years there's probably a whole generation of players that don't do the things that you do that help your your team and and you talked before about you're not the leading scorer you're not any of that sort of thing but every team that you've been on you've been such a huge part of because you make your team better because of those little things you do and you just fight for every possession where did that come from did that did that those fighting qualities come naturally to you or did you develop them early in your career how did how did you become that sort of player yeah, I think it it's a really good question. I don't know. Do I naturally just is is that just naturally me, or oh. or is that something that I've learned along the way? But I actually I think um, it's something that I've I've learned along the way. I've learned that to be valuable in a lot of teams, you do need to put points on the board, or you need to be the biggest rebounder. Well, I'm not the tallest on any mm-hmm. pretty much any team, and I'm not going to be the strongest, and I'm not not going to score the most amount of points. So I think it's a bit, an ability to adapt and to learn and and to recognize what each team needs, regardless of um, you know what club you play for. It's what can you bring to that team that can make them better, and and that's what I've really I think I've learned to do that along the way. So um, I learned when I was younger that, you know, as a 16, 17, 18-year-old, you might only get those few minutes in the last quarter of every game um, as a rookie or as a junior. And what can you do to show the coach that, yep, you want to be there? And I think um, those are the things that I sort of established early on and I just tried to do that and I think it's just carried on through the years. Um, and, you know, it doesn't ha- – probably is also um, a factor that, you know, even when I was, you know, playing at Wanneroo, which was really early on, we would still lose. Mm-hmm. We would lose a lot of games and you have to come in with fight. Like if you just don't fight mm. and you just stop fighting, points end up being 30-odd points before you know it that you're down by. So you just have to keep fighting. It's about resilience at the end yeah, of the day. Sure. You just have to keep being resilient. Pick yourself up and just keep going. Um, so, yeah, I think at the end of the day, I think I've learned that along the way. What about in your twenty years of play, Jody? What have um, what have you noticed in the in the difference in the in the style of games? Is it uh, was it a little bit more physical back in the earlier part of your career, or how how's it felt for you um, the SBL and the changes? <laughs> Look, it's I had a couple of years off, like you mentioned, Chris. I, I went mm. overseas for a couple of years, um, and I remember coming back after those couple of years, and I thought to myself. Has the court always been big? Like, I really don't remember it being this big. It was not that hard to run up and back. So I think over the last well, probably 10 years, I'd say the game has gotten faster. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot more. Um, uh, there's a lot of people working hard off the court. Um, they're coming in fitter. They're stronger. Mm. Um, 
So it might not be, is it more physical? That's really tough. That's a really hard question, I think. Um, It depends on who you play and and, and what their scenario is. You know, you've got your managers who are always going to be a tough um, physical team. Um, you've got Lightning. You know they're always a really fast-paced, good shooting team. You know, mm. so it depends on who you're playing. But um, throughout the years, I've noticed it has been. It's a lot quicker. Um, or maybe I'm slower. I don't know. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up Mandra. Obviously, Randy coached them for five years and coached against you know you for five years. Was those Mandra teams were they the most physical that you come against? You look at the Clastorny sisters leading the way. I'm sure you came away from those with plenty of bruises. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I we always went into Mandra going they like they are going to be tough. They're going mm. to be physical. They're going to want every ball. And I think that is something that's a culture of Mandra and that is something that has come through for years and years and years and that's not something that's changed either so um, where that's come from I'm, I'm not sure but that is definitely something that I can remember being just you know a junior going down there and the pre-game talk is always they're a tough physical team and you need to come ready mm. so de- 100% yeah Mandra is always going to be flagged for me as, as that team that, that they'll get on everything you know, regardless of the score. Yeah, yeah, you brought up a good point, and the girls do pride themselves on what you what you spoke about. You know, it's um, getting after the loose balls and and doing the the one percenters. So, Jody, you would have fitted in well with those bunch of girls. <laughs> <laughs> bit bit far for me to drive, but yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, how do you feel when you've you know you, you've played three hundred and fifty eight games? Chris could probably um, touch on this a little bit more. Uh, is Jody? Where does she sit with the active players in the league at the moment? As far as where do I sit? Where sorry? I'm just trying to with your 358 games. It's obviously a lot of games. I just don't know how many other girls. Might be only Nicole that's ahead of you, right? That's still playing right now. Oh, that's still playing because I can remember, um, Chris. You you said to me, I think there's only other. 12 yeah, there's, other... there's 12 that have reached 350 in total, yeah. Off the top of my head, that are still playing now. Nicole's at three, I think 397. Hmm. Do we count Casey Milo as a current player still? Yeah, well, you have to. Well, Casey, Casey's, 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 <laughs> so Casey's just ahead, but outside of that, yeah. I, I think those are the only two still playing that are probably ahead of you. And then I think Sue Williams is up there. Yeah, she, she, she's all, the all-time leader. 512. Are you going to give that a crack? Could, could you get to 513? Absolutely. No, what? Not absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think I would get to 350. That was a surprise um, in itself, but not a chance. Am I getting anywhere near 500? The other thing we tried to work out when we, when we caught up last year was the percentage of losses that you've played in those 350 games. So we don't need to try to work Dude, that out. But don't tell me you've done it. <laughs> no, I haven't. No doubt. I, I, I haven't. But I think that I think that earns you even more respect because you've been so willing to fight on so often teams that haven't been winning a lot of games. But the one year you were part of a, a team that got to the grand finals, your first year back, and I know you didn't play a lot of minutes that year, but what are your memories of that year when you did go to the grand final in 2011? Yeah, I remember that was the year that I came back and was surprised at how big the court mm. grew when I was away. But um, yeah, that that was a um, that year. I actually didn't think I was going to play at all, so I um, came back and thought, no, no, I'm I'm done with basketball, and I've had a few years off, and um, life isn't too bad without basketball. And I came back and I thought, no, do you know what? I I do miss it. And 
I missed it because of, like I said before, you know, the connections that you're able to make through basketball with, you know, your teammates, your coaches, the support staff, um, the people around the club, you know, that's what I missed. And I thought, no, I'm, I definitely want to go back and give this another go. So I can remember that the first training session I went down to, and we were doing gaze drill and I copped the ball right in the middle of the face. I won't forget <laughs> that. Um, and I thought, yep, yep, bit rusty, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> um yeah, but I think um, being with that group of girls, um, they were all very hard workers. Um, they were all, you know, coming off some pretty great seasons that they must have, I think they had the, the year before. Mm-hmm. So um, to join that team, that was that was awesome. It sort, sort of because I probably didn't play such a big role in getting to the grand final, it probably doesn't stand out to me like as, as a huge achievement. Sure. I'm very proud to be a part of that. Um, and I'm proud that, you know, I came back and made that decision to stick with basketball. But um, I think my my 350th mm-hmm. um, my um, game, probably that stands out a whole, you know, a lot more than than probably that grand final. Although it'll probably be the only, at this stage, grand final that I might ever get to. So it's still something <laughs> that I, I, um, I, I love the fact that I was able to be a part mm. of. You talked about how before how as a basketball player you've tried to try to be a role model and try to set the standard for the teams you're on. But what about away from basketball? You do a lot of great work involved in the community. Can you talk us through what you do away from, from basketball? Oh, sure. Um, yep, so I work with the education department um, and I, I don't work for any particular school but we work for the um, education region where when young people stop attending school, we try and go out to them and um, chat with them about reasons why they might have stopped attending school um, and look at linking them in with either, could be other courses or training options or looking at employment or just linking them in with um, support services that um, they might need. So whether it be they've stopped attending because of mental health reasons or there's drug and alcohol issues, domestic violence, lots of different reasons, or it could be just that they really hate school Hmm. um, and they don't want to be there. Um, And so we try and help them to look at, you know, linking them in with, I guess, other options. No, fantastic. Um, Just back to basketball quickly before we wrap up. If you had one request now for the last month of the West Coast Classic that you would like Tyrone to do for you as a player, what would you like him to do? Would you like more players run for you? What what would you like to ask ask of your coach? Nobody has ever asked me if I want more players run (laughs) for me, Chris. Um, (laughs) That is certainly not something that I'm going to be asking Tyrone. What what do I want Tyrone to do? Uh, Look, do you know, I think this year it's been really tricky. Our group specifically, we need to build resilience. Mm -hmm. That's a big part of a young and inexperienced group you know, that's part of the reason I, that we lost um, that game on the weekend was um, we, we need to establish what, what does a winning culture look like. So I don't necessarily think there's anything that Tyrone needs to do for me, but it's more about what the group can do, you know, to establish a, more of a winning culture. Um, part of that is experience, part of, you know, so so that comes with time. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, a, lot of, a lot of it rests with, with what we're willing to do for ourselves. I think what Tyrone could do for you, Jody, is not take you out of the game when you've uh, 
you're on a 10 or 12 nil run and you get 13 <laughs> points out because he took you out and then all it of a sudden the game, it was, didn't it? we noticed yeah yeah and uh, all of a sudden it was back to a two or three point game so um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, <laughs> I don't know I don't know about that but um, I'll take I'll take a compliment where I get it I, <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed this, having a chat with you Jody, and I'm really glad we got you on the show here on SBL Shoot Around to be honest one of the big reasons why we wanted to start this show was to give people like you a, an avenue to share your story because you know if we don't give you a chance to sort of talk about your life in basketball I'm not sure you can really really get your story out there anyway so we wanted to give people like you a voice some of the great servants of basketball here in WA and I think you've done a great job sharing your story you, you, you've you come across great I think we had a great time talking to you and, and if you were nervous before, beforehand you had no reason to because you did a great job and we had a, we had a great time talking to you so thank well, you very much. Well thank you thank you very much well you know after over 350 games I think it was probably a good decision for me to switch from netball to to basketball so at least there's no regrets there. No it's worked out very well and (laughs) I'm sure I'll catch up with you somewhere soon and we'll have you back on here on SBL Shoot Around because we hope to be doing this into the future Randy next year so we'll definitely have you back on at some stage Jody. but until then enjoy the rest of the West Coast Classic. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Jody. Thanks for coming on and uh, keep playing the way you are. You're doing a good job and uh, that oh. four, 400 games will be on you before you know it. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Right. We'll see about that. Right. Thank, thanks again. <laughs> okay, back here now on SBL Shoot Around and, and really looking forward to, to the, this chat, Randy. He's a, he's a young man that's done a hell of a lot in his basketball life already. And I, and unfortunately for you, he's already got what you don't have, an SBL championship. So we'll speak about that at, at some point as well. Keegan Crawford, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. A bit rough to Randy there, though, but I uh, appreciate it. <laughs> I think Randy's used to it. He loves rubbing it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard. Uh, th- th- let's start right there, Keegan. What was the feeling like going back to that, that Friday night last year when you... You led the Rockingham Flames to a championship. When you knew you had that game won, and and given how well you played, you you probably knew fairly early in the game that you were going to win. What was the feeling like? Oh, it's it was strange because having having been a part of two SBL championship teams as an assistant, you know, I kind of like the, the day itself wasn't foreign to me. Like you know, getting there on a mm. game day for a grand final, getting in the change rooms, and doing all that sort of stuff. Was, was all pretty familiar, but, you know, being kind of the guy in the, in the driving seat from a coaching perspective was really cool and, just, to be honest, just a big relief because I think, you know, we, we did come in as the seventh seed after a really yeah. strange year, but I felt like we 100% were a team that could have and deserved to win it all, and we did. We've got Randy with us as well, obviously, and you didn't quite get to be a head coach against Randy, but you were sitting on that Flames bench with Ryan Patrick for a lot of those years with the battles against Randy and his Mandurah Magic team. What are your memories of playing playing against Randy when he was coaching coaching the Magic? Yeah, no, I, I love uh, love going down to Mandurah. I actually went to uh, to high school down in Mandurah, so okay. I, you know, I've, I've been against Randy a fair amount of times, mostly as an assistant. Never got yeah. to, to lace him up against him as a head coach, but you know, any time I went down there, it was almost like kind of me coming home. You know, mm-hmm. Every time you go to the crowd, like a lot of the people that played for Manager, I kind of went to school with or or know about. But you mm-hmm. know, going against Randy was always really really tough. Like his girls always always played for him. Cool. Like wherever, and I've said this in a p- plenty of write ups. But no matter where Rocco and Manager were on the standings, like it could be first and last, it could mm-hmm. be second and third, whatever. Like it was always like a one possession game at the end. 
the girls just loved to play for him. They would battle, they would scrap, and always get under our skin, which which made up for a really <laughs> enjoyable rivalry. And sure. even as an assistant, like seeing the stuff that he would do, it was just really cool to be a part of. Yeah, we had um, Darcy on earlier, uh, Keegan, and uh, we sort of asked her the same question, and she sort of pretty much said the same as what uh, you did. There's a, definitely a rivalry between those two clubs, which is uh, healthy. Just on Darcy, um, have you been tempted to put her on the court in this West Coast Classic? <laughs> has she wanted to have a run, or have you said, no, you can't play, or what, what's going on there? Is she training with you guys? No, she's, she's uh, like, well, I would love to have Darcy out there on the court as well, but she's fully locked in as an assistant, and she has been phenomenal. Hmm. Um, clearly, being like signing a professional contract to play for the Perth Lynx has been massive, and she's taking care of her body and actually having an off-season for the first time in a long time, which I think a lot of people are with COVID, but she really wanted to lean into that. But she's, again, she's not, she hasn't trained with us for a second. Like, right. she's been okay. at training sessions, but she has um, been there as a coach. Like, she leads drills. She leads certain scenarios. Like, she hasn't been with us for one second as a player, but every minute she's been there as a coach, and she's been really, really good. I was just going to say, Chris, she seemed really excited about actually uh, participating in, in being a, a coach. Yeah, she did. Uh, yeah, and she was looking forward to it. I was just sort of curious on how, you know, whether she got itchy feet and wanted to jump on. <laughs> and that was all. So being a competitor. She, she, does, she does a little bit in games. Like there's scenarios where she forgets she's a coach and she kind of thinks that she's like a, a teammate that's towel waving on the bench. So something will happen and she'll go, <laughs> Oh, like we got to do this. Like, why didn't they do that? And she goes, "Hey, well, that's that's my job to help fix that." Ah, okay. <laughs> and then then she'll think about it and get into it. But she just brings a really unique perspective to us. Like an elite athlete of her caliber, um, being able to give back to the girls. Like it's it's a an aspect of you know that I can't bring. Hmm. She's an elite female athlete that's currently playing as well, and her expertise and the way she sees stuff and the ability to relay it to everyone. And she bleeds the rock of colors like. She's a junior, so even the girls that she's never played with before, like some of the younger girls like Chloe and Lily, like they know of her because she's been around for so long. So it's just such an invaluable asset for us to have. And it looked like Chelsea Patrick was your second assistant, at least at the game I was at. Yeah, look, we um, it's it's funny. We probably have the most experienced assistant coaching staff playing-wise in the <laughs> yeah. league on the bench there. But Chelsea came to me a couple of weeks ago. She was uh, training with us for preseason, and she – she kind of saw on a Wednesday night training at 9 p.m. what we were doing. And, you know, she she leads a lot of drills for us as well. So she'll, she's clearly our captain and has been for a long time. Yeah. But she came to me probably three or four weeks ago and says, hey, like, I want to I crack at coaching this. Like, with the West Coast Classic and all this sort of stuff, like, I really enjoy playing. But I think with the young girls that we have, and they were kind of performing better than what we thought, she wanted to give them more of an opportunity. So she stepped away from playing. But like actively asked to be an assistant coach, and she's been just as good as Darcy. Like she's fantastic on the bench. They both have very separate roles, but are really, really good with the kids. Judging on what Ryan told us when we spoke to him on the show as well, he's probably happy that she's not playing in this competition. <laughs> but but how do you feel about her playing next year? Because she's stuck on two ninety nine games. Is she is she keen to play next year? Yeah, no, she she is. I think for her this year with a bunch of stuff happening with uh, their business, owning a gym and doing yeah. house renos and all that sort of stuff. Like when Chelsea does something, she's the kind of girl that's like 110%. So she was always the one that was first her preseason. She's always at the gym multiple times a week getting up shots. And with kind of the disruption that COVID had in her life and 
and how well some of the young kids were coming along. She wanted to take a step away, but her passion for basketball is still there. As far as I'm aware, she has every intention of, hmm. of trying to get to 300 and hopefully yeah. doing that next year. Very good. Now, when I spoke to you last, after you beat Lakeside and we sort of mentioned to each other that it's been a long time since you lost a game, I went back and had a look at it and, and, it, and it was it was July 5th last year. Obviously, that, that streak, unfortunately for you, ended on the weekend. But, you jinxed us. But, you jinxed us, man. But absolutely remarkable that it was more than 13 months since you had last lost a game of, of State League basketball. Yeah, it's um, yeah, COVID kind of helped uh, this yeah, of gap there and that yeah. sort of stuff. But um, yeah, look, if you could have told me again, we won't, we're not record orientated, or at least we weren't coming into this. We're trying mm. to be as development based as possible. But a big part of, of developing is also learning how to win and learning how to be competitive. But if you could have told me we'd be five and one over a halfway point at the beginning of the season, like I absolutely would have taken that. Mm. So uh, whilst whilst we did drop one to Perry Lakes, that you know, we would have loved to have been on the other side of. Like, I'm really impressed with where we're at right now. Yeah, well, the we've been analysing the games, you know, closely each week and breaking them down. And the one thing that's really impressed me is the backcourt of Taya Burrows and Paris Duffield and the points that they're pouring in. Uh, Duffield was 7 to, seven at 17. <laughs> <laughs> that I don't know. So, Keegan, she's obviously got the green light. <laughs> yeah, look, she she really does. But like, when you go through the game as well, like seven for seventeen, like I look at it and I and I gulp. But four of those <laughs> shots as well were um like end of quarter buzzer beater scenarios. So when you take that out, it's like seven of thirteen. And again, that's still a, a massive amount of threes to shoot. But you're 100 percent right, Randy. Like she is our best shooter, and like I'm not breaking any news on on the program. Like every coach in the league knows that's her game, but she's evolved to be so much more of that. And it's kind of caused a really interesting thing for what we do next year. Like there's four or five girls that like are playing massive minutes that probably wouldn't have had a role in SPL 20. So they're doing so well that they, they deserve to have a role next year and how we carve that out is going to be a really cool picture. Yeah, no, it's been impressive to watch. And I think that's the great thing about the West Coast Classic. And that's why I'm glad that your club is winning games, but you're doing things that way as well, because if you if you take out Christina Bogue, really, I mean it's a, an unbelievably <laughs> unbelievably young, young team. Because even Tayers is only eighteen years of age, and and Paris certainly isn't, isn't old herself. And Ariana Hetherington's probably played around the hundred game SBL mark, but she's still very early in her twenties too. So it's a, an unbelievably young team. So I'm glad that you've been able to find a way to win games without having to bring in experienced players or to rely on experienced players. I think that's exactly the way the West this West Coast Classic should be probably treated. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of we're, we're not the only club doing it that way. Sure. Like a lot of clubs are treating it really well. Like we played Willow on the weekend. I think Simon Parker is doing a phenomenal job yeah. doing very similar stuff. And there's there's lots of clubs that are treating it that way. It kind of all comes down to the directive of how your presidents and, and GMs want to get out of it. But yeah, hundred percent. Like take take Chris away, and then Ari Hetherington is probably our elder statesman at mm. 21 years of age. She <laughs> yeah. played her 100th game in the grand final last year. That's so right. um, yeah, like we're we're just trying to do stuff style of play wise that maximizes our youth maximizes our size and, and kind of go from there and so far the girls have responded really well you you, you were appointed uh under 18 metro women's coach earlier this week is that right keegan yeah yeah so i'm just thinking with that and also you're on the links coaching staff you've got the uh rockingham job how many hours a week are you is basketball basketball consuming you at the moment 
Uh, well, it's, it's 110 percent of my time at the moment. Um, I'll have to, especially at the end of the West Coast Classic, kind of sit down and evaluate where my time split. Like, I don't want to be kind of that person that does everything averagely. Like, I really want to. If I'm spending my time, I want to make sure I'm giving a, a maximum effort to all of it. But yeah, really fortunate to be involved with the links with Ryan and, and Doc U, which is going to be a really cool staff. And then through that links partnership. Uh, having that uh, deal with the state teams and being the under-18 Metro Women's coach. So definitely a lot of basketball, but I'm pretty lucky that I love it and I get to work in the industry. So it's not really a chore when I get to wake up every day and th- think about what I'm going to do. Hmm. Yeah. When we trace back 14 months or whenever it was when you did take over as the as the head coach, obviously you weren't planning on being the head coach last year, but at the same time, did you feel ready for it? And how long did it take for you to feel comfortable sort of, sort of in, the, in, that, in that role? Like, I wasn't planning on being right. in the SBL like, at all. Okay. Like, so right. you're coming yeah. back from, yeah, coming back from my, my stint coaching college basketball and very much going, all right, like settling back into WA, like I need to find a job, I need to pay rent. Like, that's where my priorities mm. are going to lie. And then stuff lined up. And then uh, I, I just couldn't stay away. Like, I literally got off the airplane. I had um, Ari Hetherington's brother, Dan, who I'm really good friends with, pick me up. And we went to SBL practice. Mm-hmm. So within two hours of me, getting off the plane, like, I'm I'm there at the stadium, I'm seeing everyone, and, I, like, I just couldn't stay away. Yeah. I got asked to be involved, and I was really keen to, and then when everything happened mid-season, like, clearly a daunting task, and coming in in a scenario like that is always a little bit tricky, but I think after after that first manager game uh, mm-hmm. against Watsi and, and, and that crew down there, when we beat, like, a really talented team, um, and then, like, I, I, I felt pretty pretty confident and pretty normal to it, but it was mm-hmm. mostly just the girls. Like, the girls straight away reassured me that we'd be fine. That first training session, we were locked in, and when you can have people like Darcy and Chiba and, and Maddie and Chris to lean on, like, they pretty much had my back and they knew I had theirs. Absolutely. Are you the sort of person that sets set yourself goals? Obviously, right now, you've got a hell of a lot on your plate, but in 10 years' time, do you ever look forward and see and have a think about where you would like to be and what you would have liked to achieve? Do you do you ever get a chance to, to do that? Yes and no. Like, I, I do definitely set goals. I think it's really valuable. Like, I have long-term goals of where I want to be mm-hmm. and what I want to do. Like, I want to coach at the highest level. I want to be an Australian coach. I want to be able to coach back in, in the States where I'm from mm. as well. But one, one thing that I've tried to buy into a fair bit is, is just giving my maximum effort and energy into whatever I'm doing at that time. And if an opportunity arises, it arises. I'm trying not really to, to climb a ladder or, or, or do anything drastic. I'm just putting in the effort. And then if an opportunity comes, like I'm going to say yes to it. Sure. Trying to say yes to more things than I say no to. So that's kind of the philosophy for my own development that I'm abiding by. Yeah, that was one of the questions I was going to ask. Where where, where do you see, see yourself in, uh, you know, four or five years' time? But, um, you know, you've got a an outstanding coaching record down at Rockingham, you know, as an assistant over the years. And now that you're the championship winning coach, you're probably pretty cemented in, in that role and sort of uh, want to bring some of these younger girls through and keep that culture going at Rockingham. Yeah, 100%. Like, you know, after like the SBL season was cancelled, like, you know, everyone that's been on here and everyone that's been in the press was clearly really upset and deflated, but coming back into it, thinking that it was going to be a bit of a grind, and it definitely has. But to be honest, just just rocking up the practice and seeing girls like Lily Fitzgerald, Chloe Napolitano, and even the improvement of Taya Burroughs, like, mm. it really just makes it all worth it. 
like whatever that scoreboard says at the end is to be honest irrelevant in the grand scheme of things like yeah we want to be competitive we want to win but if we're doing the right things which i, th- I think we are we're, we that will uh, be the result and it's just been really really enjoyable to see from a development perspective yeah just the the club the work that the the club's done off the court is is uh, amazing you know i went down there last year whilst I wasn't coaching and, you know, the brass band and that they had there and the crowd throughout <laughs> here were just something really different in the SDL and I think it's a credit to Rockingham that they've, uh, you know, taken that step because it was really exciting. Yeah, no, it's, it's cool. Warren really tries to have that professional atmosphere wherever he can and, you know, the, the score of people or the assistance on game day, like, you know, it, it's always been a venue that we've been really proud of but I think I think it's a testament to the league itself and what guys like Adam and Brent have really done to try and push this professional kind of agenda with it. And you, you look around and uh, every team's game day, they have something unique that even when I started Randy, like it wasn't happening, right? Like mm-hmm. you kind of rocked up and there was a domestic comp and then you played next to the domestic team. Like you go now, all the, the graphics that every club is doing, how much research they're doing into their own scouting and development. Like it's really cool to see where this league is going. Yeah, um, Chris and I both spoke about that when we walked walked into Coburn on yeah. Uh, yeah. to do the commentary. You know, they had all the, the lifelike photos of the girls and boys all around the stadium. It was really good. Yeah, for sure. A funny one about a funny thing about the West Coast Classic, Keegan, obviously I think a lot of clubs when it started, if you go back five weeks, just wanted to get some development out of it, just wanted to get some run into a lot of the, the girls' leagues and just wanted to to, to really build something for next year. But all of a sudden now, when you've got a month to go and you're right in the finals <laughs> mix, does it start to get serious? Do you now start to actually think about wanting to make finals and actually wanting to to, to win this thing now that it's at the business end of it? Yeah, of course. Like, you know, we, we, we can all say the, the development stuff, and, like, I, I really think everyone is, like, for the mm. most part, putting yeah. their best foot forward with that. But the second that you put all of these coaches and players on the floor, like, one of the main reasons we play basketball and, and do stuff at this level is because we're so competitive. Mm. Like you throw the balls out there and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, okay, like let's, let's win. Let's get a W and do that sort of stuff. And I think where the real kind of value comes in when you can merge the both, like mm-hmm. can you merge your style of development with a competitive style of play? And, and if you can't right now, what are the steps that you can take to do that? And we're kind of in that in-between gap where we probably sit at a level uh, well, we can compete with most teams and we're really trying to maximize that, but you're 100% right. Like, you look at the three, four weeks left and everyone's kind of eyeing each other off a little bit, probably doing a little bit more video than like, they'd like to admit and seeing what they could do at the end of the year. <laughs> it's a big game now. you got the Wolves on Saturday night. That's that's going to be a, a massive game. Yeah, 100%. Nick's done such a great job with that group and all the experienced players that they have. Like, it's, a, it's an absolute task to to go up against that club in general. And then when you see girls like Kayla Steindl and, and Mick Perini and how they're really developing and, and changing their games. And again, like we're going to have to match up to them a little bit differently. We'll do some, we'll do some stuff and hopefully we can catch them off guard. But uh, as I said, it's, it's a real good testament to us. Like regardless of, of the scoreline, like we're going to review what we're going to review and the girls that we're going to play are all going to get a crack and they have to compete against these girls. Like we're not just going to roll over or we're not just going to try to run away with it. Like, we have to try and make sure we can get everyone in this game and, and the ability to play. No, absolutely. Uh, you, you got one last one for Keegan, Randy? I don't have too much more to ask Keegan, to be honest, Chris. So if, if you've got any other questions to throw out. No, I, th- I think we can wrap it up. But I uh, but, uh, really appreciate you taking the time, Keegan. And I 
it's been great to follow your journey. It was exciting last year when you got the job. It was exciting to spend some time getting to know you over that journey and to see you win a championship. But I think it was just it was just a great thrill for everybody to see such a young man making such big strides in his in his coaching career. It was a fantastic thing, and I think we're all really looking forward to following following your your career. We really enjoy everything you're doing right now, and. Yeah, I mean you've been you've been great to me over the last you know fourteen or fifteen months, and I look forward to continuing to to follow your journey. Thanks for having me, guys, and, and thanks to both of you guys for the work that you're doing in this space. Like as I said to you last week, Chris, the more kind of media coverage that can happen with this, and you get passionate guys like Randy and Edo involved, like it's inevitably mm. great for the league. So appreciate having me on, and all the best for the rest of the podcast. No, thanks very much. Thanks, for, thanks, thanks for your support. Thanks. We'll, we'll, Cheers, guys. We'll speak to you after you win. Uh, <laughs> sounds good Randy I'll have a beer with you after <laughs> lock it in thanks Kagan okay back here on SBR Shoot Around and, and gee if you didn't enjoy our chats there with Jody Sonte and then Kegan Crawford then you probably don't like basketball two of the Two of the great great stories in in our league right now. One of our great veteran warriors and and a coach who's just making history. He's twenty four years of age and he's doing some great things already. So both of those chats, Randy, were were a lot of fun. Yeah, really good, really exciting to have both of those um, people come on board and support what we're trying to do here on SBL Shootaround. Absolutely. Now all of a sudden, round six in the West Coast Classic. We've only got four weeks to go, so every game now takes on greater significance. I'm sure. Even if you're a club that was looking forward to using this competition as a development year, all of a sudden, if you're in finals contention now with a month to go, you're throwing everything at it. You're trying to play finals desperately. So we've got some fascinating games now to look forward to. None bigger than on Friday night, Randy, at Belmont Oasis, the Perth Redbacks and the Calamundra Eastern Suns. The Redbacks just can't afford to lose another game if they want to be any hope. So this is a huge game because Calamundra's playing some some great basketball. Yeah, I'm going to go for for the Redbacks. I just think that um, you know Matty Allen's going to be one of those players that can contain Jesse Edwards sure. or you know um, come out even and nullify a little bit. So great just, matchup, isn't it? Yeah, it is. They're linked teammates, and now they're going at it yeah. on Friday night. Yeah. So just on their home court, I'll go for the Redbacks. I think so too. I think the Redbacks at home they haven't lost at Belmont this season so far. And this is their last home game for the West Coast Classic. So I think just to keep their season alive, that the Redbacks will win. (laughs) Now, another Friday night game down at Eden. I don't need to say anything about it again because I've said something every week. But the Southwest Slammers, they'll be competitive again up against the Willardon Tigers. Yeah, I think Southwest will, you know, show a lot more. They would, you know, would be disappointed with that result and they'll get into training this week and put up a really good effort against the Tigers, but it won't be enough to beat the beat the Tigers, so Willardon for me. Yeah, I agree. I think Willardon will win, but I don't expect it to be a big a big blowout. Now, this one is another this is a this is a cracking game. Two teams trying to play finals. Perry Lakes Hawks, they're still trying to break it back into the top four, and the Junelot Wolves haven't lost a game yet, so they, they do battle up at HBF Arena. Yeah, I'll tip the Wolves in this one, in which will be a really quite a physical contest and played at a really, um, you know, it's with these two teams, when you look at the players on both both um, teams, it'll be a real quality game. Yeah, I mean, the Bigs is a, is a great battle, isn't it, with Steindl and Amber Land up against Burden and Donovan. That that just says it all, and, yep. and they, they both have exciting backcourts as well. This will be a good game, close game. Interesting how the Wolves go after not playing for two weeks. And the girls that did play went up to Kalgoorlie and lost to the Giants in a what's not an official official game, I know, but they still still come off a loss. Um, yeah, full credit to the Wolves for sending a team up there. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we, we saw a lot of teams didn't do it. That's why we didn't have an official Giants team in the competition. But well done to the Wolves for going up there to play up to Kalgoorlie. 
I think I think just because they haven't lost a game yet, I think it's tough to go against the Wolves. So I, I'll stick with the Wolves, but I think it'll be close. Saturday Saturday night, Randy. Mandurah Magic hosting Warwick Senators. What sort of margin can the Senators come back from in this one? <laughs> yeah, they've been amazing, haven't they? Um, yeah, I think this game will be a, a little closer than what people are anticipating. So I think the Senators will, will get over the top of the Magic, but it'll be a tight game. I, I agree. Oh, Mandurah will always be competitive, especially... After having you know two weeks to stew over their last game, which would have been a bit disappointing for them, but yeah, the Senators I think will be too strong in the end. And the Perry Lakes Hawks backing up at home to the East Perth Eagles. Yeah, the Hawks here for me um, in uh, much improved East Perth Eagles. However, they've been really good over the last couple of weeks, and um, but the Hawks will just have too much size. Yeah, I agree. But you know the Hawks will be tired. East Perth will be fresh, so I don't expect it to be a, a wide margin. Mm. Big game this one. Rockingham Flames, Joondalup Wolves, one loss between them. You know, finals implications here when they meet down in down in Rockingham. Yeah, I'm going to tip the Wolves here. Um, I just think their depth will get over the top of them. I know, I know they play the night before, yeah. but they're so deep. So I can't see fatigue being a factor in this one. So I just think, uh, you know, Chris Bogue's sort of battling away there, mm. you know, as, as the main big for the Flames, and she'll have her hands full with, with um, the Wolves girls. She will. Um but the Wolves will have their hands full with Taya Burrows too. Um, on their home floor, and because it's there on the game of the weekend, I might go for the Flames. Then the last game of the weekend, Calamander Eastern Suns at home to the Southwest Slammers. Yeah, the Calamander Eastern Suns will will bounce back here and, you know, another tough road trip for the Slammers to mm. come up, up the freeway again after having another Friday night game. So, yeah, the Suns will win this and they, this will sort of keep them inside the four or just yeah, outside yeah. the four, so pretty important game for them. Yeah, they can't afford to drop it if they want to play finals. So, Calamander for me. So that wraps up round six in the West Coast Classic. Of course, we'll come back next week and have a look at all of those results. This has been a really enjoyable show, Randy. Had a great time talking to Jody Sonte of the Coburn Cougars. Really informative chat with Keegan Crawford from the Rockingham Flames. And of course, thanks to Wandering Distillery, we named our Player of the Week for, for round five, and that was Maddie Allen from the Perth Redbacks. And thanks to the continued support of Bassett Scarf Realty for making making our hopes of having a play of the, of the year award become reality. So we'll keep track of that now as we head towards the business end of the West Coast Classic. This has been a been another fun show. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it. I'll sign off. I'm Chris Pike. Now, Randy Meagle, I hope you've come lined with some gags once again. <laughs> oh, I just firstly want to say how I'm sort of impressed I've been with seeing some of this local talent, you know, which, uh, like we said, we probably wouldn't have got to see a lot of if everyone was at full strength and we had imports, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But some of the young girls that it, uh, I've seen play over the last sort of month, um, you know, Western Australian basketball's in pretty good hands, I think. There's some real, real talent out there. So keep going, girls, and keep the excitement up. I mean, Friday night, game was really good to watch and there was a lot more around the league this weekend so like you say it's really sort of heating up um, as we get further and further into it um, and as far as the gags go, I only sort of <laughs> come up with one little um, story I remembered, which was in my last se- season of coaching, just to put another funny spin on uh, what we're doing here, Chris, because apparently we aren't funny enough. <laughs> so, yeah, I drive up from Kenningvale every day. I drive up from Mandra to Kenningvale every day for work. And sometimes when we were coaching on a Friday night, it meant I need to get my coaching kit ready. You know, your slacks and your your, your shirt and your jacket and shoes, etc. So you, you like to look nice when you're courtside, don't you? You, well, you, you like have to. Look to. Professional, yeah. yeah. 
So um, uh, finished work, I jumped in the shower and got myself sort of all ready to go. And then um, I realised that I had left my nice, beautiful, pointy black shoes back in Mandra <laughs> and had to go down and coach the game down in Coburn with my crusty old steel, <laughs> steel caps on. So for the first sort of five minutes, ten minutes of the game, I just sat on the bench and didn't get up. And uh, generally I like to move up and down the yep. floor quite a bit and then I just couldn't coach like that. So there I was um, up and down the floor with these crusty old work boots on and <laughs> it wasn't a real good look, you know. And then um, I think Patty O'Kane, my assistant, said, God, Randy, we better go up and, um, you know, be up there for the awards. And I said, no, I won't be going up there tonight, Patty. <laughs> it's one of those things, even if nobody notices, you inside your head think that everyone's looking at you, don't you? You think everyone's noticed. Yeah, I, you know, and these aren't, these are probably four or five-year-old work boots as well too, so they don't, I couldn't even, you know, hide them. So, yeah, that was a quite funny evening.